So back in the spring, we uh, were invited by Blackfish Distillery to, to come down and uh, interview them for a podcast. We never really heard of Blackfish Distillery before. I think I might have seen them around on Instagram before. Yeah. So it was actually kind of nice walking in with literally no, they had no reputation in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so nothing to live up to and then also nothing, nothing really got in the way. We were able to be fairly unbiased, I think. They have a vodka, gin, um, a rhubarb liqueur, and a rye whiskey, and they have several other just seasonal uh, spirits. Cherry brandy, I think, is one. Yeah, they did cherry brandy once. Um, uh, but yeah, no, they were just a load of fun to hang out with. You don't want to leave. I mean, that, that, that <laughs> literally was a ton of fun. And I, I know we do say that about, I think, every single one of them. But I guess that just goes to show that, that I mean, we're doing this for a reason, like, Go visit your freaking local distillery. We, we, we could have stayed there for, you know, a day. Yeah. Playing that, at that rate. And, and as it was, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we, we try to not edit these too much. Right? You know, I kind of want you to get this raw experience of, of hanging out with uh, these distillers. But this podcast took us, I think, an hour and ten minutes to record because of family story after family story. and It kind of felt you would get the same experience if you sat down for Thanksgiving dinner with the family. It, it, it hey, was, Dad, tell us that story about that <laughs> about that time you built that pirate ship. Yeah, that's right. They did. <laughs> hey, Dad, tell me about, you know, literally the same thing. Or, or about maybe not Dad, because his kids didn't seem as interested in the stories as we did. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, yeah, they probably heard them a hundred times like everybody has. But it still was entertaining for us. Yeah, we loved it. <laughs> uh, we hope it's entertaining for you. So with no further ado, just sit back, relax, and pour yourself a glass of your favorite locally made spirit or, you know what, whatever you've got on hand. And uh, enjoy this interview with Blackfish Spirits Distillery. I'll start with an email from a friend. So we're, we're, we're a family of people who make things and these guys to them they're like they're like fish in water they don't see the water around them of making things and they think everybody does that <laughs> so Bo and Nate Bo learned how to weld when he was building his foundry so that we could cast a bronze cannon for his pirate ship and so that Nate that he and Nate were cobbling together in the backyard and by a pirate ship it's still on the water down in uh, Mount Rainier in a pond Oh, really? uh, and uh, we have the cannons and stuff like that. They weren't safe to fire, but uh, um, we <laughs> we make things all the time. Uh, Nate and I. He's Nate, smiling like he found that out the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there was another brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm on the light it and run away as fast as you can and see if it, anybody gets killed. Um, test. That's the way we test things. And so we, we make things. And these guys have been doing that all their lives. And I've been doing it all their lives. Uh, like I brought these tables in, the slabs in, and Nate says, what are you going to do with those? And I said, you're going to build beautiful tables out of those. And uh, Nate goes, okay. <laughs> and so uh, within a few weeks, he had designed the legs, and he learned how to do a Morrison tenon joint by building that giant table over there. And uh, then he was ready to do these uh, beautiful tables. And he, he uh, started working on them. And within a month or so, we had these tables. And Larry and Nate worked on scraping them and stuff like that. And it was just like, okay, we're going to take on something new. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the email from a friend of mine says, okay, you're, you're kind of a guy who does weird things and makes weird stuff. <laughs> Do you know how to make moonshine? And he's kind of a sketchy character, hangs out in rock bands. And I said, let me think about that. And so I did for about a year. I thought about that. And we happened to be in uh, Dublin for some business. And uh, we were touring the Jameson factory. And, or, excuse me, the, the Guinness factory. So that's about seven floors of, here, try this, here, try this. Uh-huh. And then you get to the top, and they give you a full thing of, of Guinness, and they want you to sip it. And have a big foamy mustache so they could they could take a tourist picture of you, uh-huh. and you're in this glass room and Dublin's all around you with the mist and the hills and stuff, super romantic. So I'm drunk. Then we <laughs> we stu- we go down we kind of bumble our way down the stairs and we stumble about five blocks away. I think it was five blocks to the Jameson factory, the old Jameson factory, and that's four floors of here. Try this, try this, and here we just discovered that ginger beer goes good with Jameson and try this and, and then you get to the top and you're drunk more drunk and but halfway through I saw these huge wonderful copper stills and I turned to my wife and I said let's do that and she's like sure <laughs> it's a great time to make decisions using our full reasoning capacity we decided that to lay into it and so I started uh, we pulled together a little uh, still to just kind of see if it was reasonable mm-hmm. And my son-in-law said, hey, let's see if that thing works. And so we put a box of wine through it, and this horrible stuff came out. <laughs> and everybody had to take a sip, and it's like, ah. But uh, Nate and I persisted, and we uh, came up with this vinegar, not vinegar, but uh, vodka that uh, I said, here, taste this vodka to my wife. And she said, that tastes like vodka. Yeah, okay. I said, now taste this vodka. And she says, that's not vodka, that's water. And uh, I said, no, it's not. She says, give me some more. And <laughs> so I poured some more. And it was 190 proof vodka that we had made. Wow. And she sipped some more and her knees buckled. And says, that's good vodka. Okay, go for it. So we leased this place. You have to lease a place the year uh, before and start up. Then you start your application process. Yeah. So it's a considerable investment on a bet that you're going to get through the application process. Well, fortunately, I'm kind of an expert in compliance, so I got through the process in eight months. Oh, wow. And uh, so and we started in August. We had our license in eight months. We thought, well, let's start making stuff and selling it right away. Oh, no, wait. you got to get label approval and stuff like that. So there's another three to four months of just panic and fumbling around. And then, of course, learning how to use the stills, real stills, um, and... Of course, there was a whole adventure story of getting through the the city. We took we actually took stills to the fire department and met with them and showed them how stills come apart and work and how they aren't likely to explode because uh-huh. uh, their tra- their training was um, watching moonshiners on TV and they knew we were going to explode. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm sure every distiller has told you this story, but uh, we got to them. We we got our first product out, and then came the grind of. Of, of hitting the 190 proof mark for vodka because we thought that was the easiest one to do. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest. It's uh-huh. actually the hardest. Uh, whiskey is a wonderful product to make. It's like bacon bread in your kitchen. <laughs> but vodka, it's really technical and you have to hit the mark. You have to learn how to use your tools to measure it. Uh-huh. And then you have to troubleshoot why it's not hitting the mark. And so you spend a lot of time on your nose and the internet and figuring things out. <laughs> And uh, the internet's full of baloney. <laughs> uh, 
it's really literally full of baloney uh, about how to make things and do stuff because there's a lot of junk being made out there and mm -hmm. as soon as they're done and make them drunk they're done yeah you know so they're um, not selling it they're <laughs> yeah so that that was the first grind and there was a lot of conversations between Nate and I about okay we gotta try again we gotta try again we gotta mm -hmm. try again but that's what we do we build things we make things if they don't work the first time we try again mm -hmm. um, we learn about things we pay attention to things we measure very carefully so uh Nate's, Nate's uh, uh, trained in the science of nuclear physics. Matt, Matt's, that's well, that's what is astrophysics. astrophysics. It's science, whatever. <laughs> it's atoms. It's, it's, it's pretty much the opposite of nuclear. Yeah, yeah it's, I was there at your graduation. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt's, Matt and Erica, of course, are uh, trained in archaeology, which is 90% compliance and, and stuff like that, keeping track of things and measuring things. Um, you know, Mark's got is an excellent editor and uh, what was your degree in comparative literature <laughs> I mean but it hit the top of his class Bo was a, was a police officer for a time being which really was his most strict training and he he actually uh, learns about all the compliance issues we have with the public yeah. so we have all this measurement and concern about quality and flavor of course, we have Larry, who's a doctor. His whole life is journalized. His, uh, he's measured, um, he's uh, dealt with people and their life measurements all his life. And he's got a wonderful palate. Uh, he and his wife, my, or he is my wife, his daughter, uh, uh, and Nate are our most trained palates in the house. And we trust them. That's where we put our reliance on. Uh, Matt's... Uh, from the first day he came in saying, I want to make whiskey till now, has really learned how to taste things. And we have these conversations all the time. What are, what are the flavors? What are, what's going on? And so we're always measuring, uh, trying things, and uh, trying to improve. So we know where we are at in our quality right now, and we will know where we want to be in 10, 20 years from now. So. Where is that? In a bigger place <laughs> with bigger stills uh, a, a bigger product line we know that we've got a good way of uh, producing a vodka that opens the doors to a whole bunch of other spirits and experimentation you can see our spice cabinet behind you uh, that's the the beginning of our our uh, journey of uh, we call it basic research on how spice and alcohol mix together uh, behind Erica, there's our, our library of, of uh, uh, tinctures is starting to form. And I'll open it up. I mean, you guys have kind of a, a little mini museum in here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and it grows as you open each cabinet door. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's a matter of crafting and trying and, and uh, experimentation. Our biggest feedback comes from our customers mm -hmm. who listen to them. It's like the Kirschwasser story mm -hmm. with the cherry brandy. That was, that was a total inspiration to us. Brandy was down the, the road a while mm -hmm. uh, until it showed 800 pounds of cherry showed up. And then it was like, <laughs> Brand, making brandy now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, mad research. So while uh, Larry and I and uh, um, Tyler, who was a, a friend of the family, were crushing cherries, and Nate was... or processing the cherries, Nate was 
madly researching how to stabilize the the brandy or excuse me the juices that you get off those cherries so that you get the best uh, hit from the yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to have too much wild stuff. Uh, both Larry and I cook sourdough, so at oh. some point or another we're going to try uh, a native yeast. Uh, mm-hmm. The yeasts around here are wonderful. The native yeast. So mm-hmm. if you take a, a bowl and add a half a, a cup of water and a cup of flour and stir it up and then take half of it away uh, the next day add a cup of add uh, a cup of flour a half a cup of flour and a half a cup of water stir it up leave it overnight with just a towel over it it'll start picking up native yeast and you'll have a sourdough within about uh, five days that is just amazing cool. uh, and a lot of the the that magic, the wee yeasties, were what uh, they didn't know about those until around 1875, when microscopes started uh, functioning to the point where they could actually look at yeast and see what was going on. So really, it's—I mean, I was born in 1955, so it was less than 100 years before me that they knew about yeast. There was a huge revolution in yeast in the 60s that changed the yeast that we're using, um, and. So we're really at the forefront of what yeast can do. And now, of course, there's GMO yeast that can make gasoline and stuff. <laughs> uh, but um, they're, they're going to be experiment with yeast for a long time. But the wild yeasts, those were, that's what uh, is used in for thousands of years, 10,000 years to make beers and stuff like that. So anyways yeah. so for where we're going next I didn't answer the question did I <laughs> <laughs> you guys can coach me anytime because I'll rattle we've got the, the ship's wheel and we've got a pirate ship so uh-huh. what's next sweet we're doing rum. some rum huh? yeah exactly <laughs> rum yeah that's what I can't wait for you can get the cannon and pirate ship here for yeah. a release party yeah, exactly we're just going to fill it with bottles and shoot bottles at people <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a huge collection of cannons so we're oh, yeah, right fun uh, those are the, those are the you guys must have been fun to have in the neighborhood yeah. Oh, yeah. no I was a horrible neighbor <laughs> Ask the boys. <laughs> Anyways, um, so rum's next. Uh, bourbon. We've been. Uh, we're going to be big and brave and doing an experiment with bourbon here, coming up soon. Bourbon. Really, talk about that. Yeah, bourbon is really hard to do because you're dealing with corn. It's a different process. It takes different equipment we have. Uh, the mash tons. We can. Uh, we can. Uh, tease the wort out of uh, the grain with a mash tun, but corn, you really, starting from just hard grain corn, you have to gelatinize it, you have to boil it and stuff like that. We don't have boiling equipment here, so we can use hot water and make a wort uh, that's drinkable without the boiling equipment. But So corn is a challenge, so then we came upon roll corn, and uh, we just met with Greg Pope from Missouri Ridge, Ridge. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Mr. Whiskey stopped in this weekend and cool. and critiqued our uh, last weekend and, and and critiqued our distillery. Wonderful guy, very right up front, tells exactly what he, he's thinking. Right he gave us some ideas about how to tackle bourbon, so that's next. Cool. Um, we want to do some other fruit-based uh, brandies, apricot brandy, uh, and a real rich apricot brandy. Uh, if you go to the store. And you look at the label on the brandies that you get in the store, you'll notice quickly that it's 65% neutral grain spirits, which is fuel additive, mm-hmm. and then it's 35% actual brandy. 
but this is a pure 100% brandy. Uh, and there, that's a distinction between craft distilling. And it's yeah. a slow distill. And it's a, it's a uh, hopefully a slow aging process. Uh, was, was that something that you guys kind of considered at, at one point? I know some, everybody has to kind of think, okay, we're not going to make any money anytime soon, so what, what's ways we can kind of cut costs of that? Was that an option at some point, or was it, you know, green glass from the beginning? That's a good question. We knew that, uh, so we have the license. It's called a rectifier's license. Yeah. We can buy a cube of alcohol and put it, add water to it, and sell it as vodka, and it'll taste like all the well drinks around here. Uh-huh. But we know from our analysis of it that uh, we'll be competing. Just the price of the bottle will make us unprofitable. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the stuff in it uh, because we'll be competing with companies that do that on an industrial scale. Yeah. And so if you, there's people that are doing that, um, but I think it's a dead end for them because they're, uh, re- really what they're doing is they're putting out a, a a product that's not as purified uh, and so they're not going to benefit from a reputation of a, a better taste mm-hmm. and then two they're competing against the, the huge industries that are making well drinks yeah. and it's really night and day uh, it's like uh, McDonald's versus uh, name any one of the nice restaurants around here yeah. I mean they don't serve a billion hamburgers, but they <laughs> they charge a hundred fifty bucks for a meal, yeah. and there's a reason for that. And um, so we think, from our capacity, if we just concentrate on the higher quality and just take the risk, and it is a cash flow challenge mm-hmm. to make something and sit it in a barrel, and it's a conversation we have what once a week, twice a week. <laughs> is it ready to come out of the barrel yet? Uh-huh. And you're like. There's something shiny, Dad. <laughs> Look at that over there. Go make labels, Dad. <laughs> and, you know, keep it in the, the barrel a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, or if we have a product that needs to age, we have an apple brandy that needs to age. And some of them, it will age in the bottle, and we do everything not to put it on the counter. So some bottle conditioning for the apple brandies? And, yeah. Okay. And we age it. We also age it in a barrel. Okay. And uh, oh, wow. so, uh, really yeah, you'll get a chance to taste that. Cool. In fact, we should be. Is Bo here? Yeah. Oh. We should be. Uh, we should be uh, sharing some drinks with these guys while we're talking about them. So why don't you bring your taster? You guys want to do that right now? Sure. sure. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. So at this part of the interview, the guys did a live tasting right there. And to be honest with you, I usually need some time with a spirit to really say anything meaningful. I think that when I tasted the, uh, they, they, they gave me some rhubarb liqueur in mango sorbet. Yep. And I wasn't really sure what to expect because, you know, I like mango and I wasn't really sure what I liked about, if I liked rhubarb. But when I got them together, my only response was, oh shit, <laughs> which is not very descriptive. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I, I like that a lot and I don't know why. Yeah. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And you know what? We came home. We bought, actually that night, bought mango sorbet. So on the way home. So, yeah, on the way home so we could eat more of it. Now that we've had time with uh, the bottles that we brought home, we have maybe a little bit better tasting notes. We, we brought home the rhubarb liqueur yeah. and we brought home Doc Brewer's rye whiskey. The, the only tasting note I really have about, about Doc Brewers, I actually have not tasted a whole lot of it. I drank the bottle. Um, the one thing I have to note about Doc Brewers is that it actually got my wife into whiskey. Mm. 
And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It means I've got to share. Yeah. So the viewers can decide yes. how horrible that you, is. You might want to you know, think about it before <laughs> but, you... But she's tasted everything that I've brought home, mm-hmm. and she hasn't really loved it. And then she tasted this, and she liked it. And it, it's kind of a strange thing because it's, you know, every whiskey in Washington is relatively young in the in the whiskey world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only been legal in, in Washington for, I think, just over five years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so... You know, their rye whiskey isn't really all that old, but um, sometimes a, a young rye whiskey is very spicy, and actually theirs is not. It's, it's, yeah. it's fairly mellow. Yeah, I think it's that's very soft. I think that, I, I think that that's what what my wife w- was liking was that you know a lot of um, other whiskeys are 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 competing with those really bold flavors that, that you see out of these old you know much older and, and mature whiskeys, and well, and it, it was a it was a it was something that was very approachable for her. you know like I said we don't have old whiskeys you won't find a ten year old whiskey in Washington State if you did it didn't come from Washington State but yeah, it probably came from Canada it probably yeah or yeah with with Doc's with Doc Brewer's rye it's it's very soft you can you get a sense of newness but if you Really explore it. You can tell that it actually will develop some really good character, and I'm looking forward to seeing you know how deep it can get in the future. Um, the the rhubarb. I oh, I really wasn't sure what to think. Um, as a kid, I hated rhubarb, and I actually had avoided it for probably the last I don't know 15 years or so. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I, I'm thinking I I need to make a drunk rhubarb pie. Yes. That would be good. And I would like some. One thing I would note on it, you know, you either have really syrupy liqueurs or then you have like the opposite side, kind of this natural earthy flavor. Yeah. And 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 the rhubarb, this rhubarb liqueur is some liqueur is somewhere just right in between. It's it's neither um, earthy, but it's it, it's also not syrup. Like there's no, you know, there's some more syrupy uh, liqueurs that, that we ran across where you know, crystallize around it the crystallizes edge. around the edge after just you know maybe a couple weeks yeah. and and yours you know you've had this for a couple months and it's and you know it's not um it's not crystallized it's it's got a little bit of vegetal uh of, you know sense to it you know you, you get yeah like I said earthiness to it it but it's, but it's still it's, sweet enough. it's still sweet enough to where you're not going oh, i'm chewing on a stock of rhubarb it's certainly drinkable by itself there's just a little hint of yeah that that earthiness or vegetal as uh-huh. as, uh, as josh just said but uh you know we've also got this it, it's just sweet enough and mm-hmm. so i think that yeah mango would be a really great place to start as something to mix with it like a mango sorbet um i'd be interested to see what other fruits would go with that if uh you know you follow us on instagram which most of you do if you get the rhubarb liqueur or you get any anything from the, the distillers that we're interviewing and you come up with a drink tag us in it we want to find out what you're doing with it uh, the one other thing that we tasted while we were there was, you know, you know, we had tasted the rye whiskey, but we also, they actually gave us some um, vanilla bean ice cream um, to go in that. The vanilla bean uh, is very smooth, and then you throw in whiskey, and it's a great combo. But with their whiskey in particular, it's it's great just because the, the whiskey's already fairly mellow. Yeah. So, like, I think that that would actually, if you have a friend who you really want to get them to like whiskey for some reason because... You want to have to share. Go find a, a, a bottle of Doc Brewer's rye whiskey and maybe put in some vanilla bean ice cream for him because I think that that would be actually the perfect intro. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes people, you know, try to start their friends on, you know, a cheaper whiskey or, you know, a commercial one. But honestly, there, there aren't too many commercial whiskeys aside from scotch that I find smooth enough no. to really be approachable as a non-whiskey drinker. Well, how many people do you meet that go, oh, I don't drink whiskey because I had a bad experience with... You know, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam. Everybody yeah. I work with who does not drink whiskey. Yes. 
yeah, you, I threw it up once. You, you, exactly. <laughs> you, don't, you don't ever have somebody go, you know what, I tried a local craft whiskey and uh, I won't ever try whiskey again. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. they can at least respect it. They also have a vodka, um, which, as I remember it, it is a you know very traditional vodka, odorless and tasteless. We're really not big on vodka. Um, you know, a lot of times that is a bread and butter for distillers because it takes less time to make than whiskey. Um, but for us, you know, we don't, I just don't um, love it as much as uh, things like whiskey or a, um, I guess, non-traditional vodka has, you know, a lot of character. I did end up, though, with a bottle of the Giffords Gin. It has a cinnamon flavor. Now, I'm not talking about this isn't fireball level. This is just like very minor and, and you know, uh, maybe you taste it a couple times and then you finally realize, oh, oh, that's what that yeah. thing is. Sneaks up on you a little it bit. It sneaks up. Um, you know, when you're mixing that, I mean, that changes your drink completely. Yeah. You know, that, that, that sets that aside, you know, from other, other gins, you know, t- Temple Gin. Absolutely one of our favorite gins. Yeah. It is completely different than this. There, There is not a hint of cinnamon. Uh-huh. You know, Blackfish's gin, I think, probably differentiates them from a lot of other distilleries mm-hmm. there. I mean, there, a lot of other distilleries have uh, um, kind of these, like, smooth, um, fairly young whiskeys. But um, I do think that their gin is what is going to set them aside yeah. um, for now. You know, whatever they have now will change because they just are really interested in experimentation and finding something new. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what they're coming out with. Well, those are tasting notes. Um, we'll get right back to our interview with Blackfish Spirits Distillery. For a newbie to whiskeys or somebody that's interested in you know, trying to tune their palate, what advice do you give? The only thing, only advice I can really think of is just to, to try a lot of things and just mm-hmm. to, to drink more. You, you like it straight? You like it on the rocks? How, how do you... I actually drink gin more than anything now. Okay. I didn't drink gin uh, before we started making it okay. at all. I just did not like the flavor. Um, so I don't actually drink our whiskey bunch. I drink, I have a couple bottles of gin at home that I'm working my way through. Okay. Uh, and how do you, what, what's your, you drink it straight? You like, yeah. You, okay. Straight. That's kind of my thing. Like if you have to be able to drink it straight. <laughs> if you if you can enjoy it any other way, I mean, that's the way I look at. It. I mean, I I prefer drinking things straight, but some people don't, and so it's like, okay, you at least want to have a good gin or a good whiskey or good vodka, and the only way you can tell is if you drink it straight first. Yeah. My opinion. <laughs> so that, that raises an issue, an important uh, thing is when you're giving somebody a taste of of stuff. So this is too much for a taste. This amount. And so when I pour a taste, it's just a little bit because it gets him to slow down. Yeah. And I'm trying to coach him for months. <laughs> but because uh, a lot of people, they'll go gank and yeah. hit the back of their throat and go, oh, yeah. like that. And some people, they want that experience. Yeah. But most people who you want to enjoy the flavor, bit, yeah. you just coach them first. Just, and you coach them to smell it first. Mm-hmm. Just stop for a moment. So just slow the whole process down. Yeah. And by giving them just a little tiny bit, just covering the bottom of the cup, mm-hmm. and just say, just pour a little in the front of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that gets them to slow it down. Then they start feeling the flavors. And that's mm-hmm. how uh, Matt started out. Mm-hmm. And But just smelling things and just starting that whole kind of sensual routine of getting mm-hmm. used to it. And then you warm up your mouth first. And then, then if you decide to knock it down, your mouth is already ready for it mm-hmm. and then you can start taking apart stuff so that was a that was a great thing that happened to Nate and I is we got the vodka stills running we finally hit the proof we tasted it's like how many people have actually tasted vodka straight uh-huh. <laughs> and so we went over to wine and total wine and more we bought $400 worth of vodka 
and we're just going down the shelves like this and like that and the guy goes what are you doing I said well we're opening up a distillery we want to know what vodka tastes like uh-huh. and so <laughs> uh, we're, we just made a batch and it really it did two things as well. the weekend yeah, well, <laughs> so he, he he took us through there and he says try this because it's made with grapes try this because it's made with grain yeah. and pulled it down and um, and that taught us a, a lot about just tasting things. And we tasted this stuff and said, wow, we're comparable to the ball of these bob cuts. Because we drank a lot by that time. Yeah. We're up here. And so, <laughs> and so we actually felt it was a huge confidence builder that our vodka, again, tasted better than oh. the, the stuff that was yeah. off, the, off the shelf. Because it had been several months since we started at that point. Mm-hmm. And we were really wrestling with stills to get a good proof out of them first. And then, okay, are we getting a good flavor? And then we went back and we tuned our whole process to kind of meet that flavor. More research, rinse and repeat. But, uh, and then when you first came, it was the same training. And you tasted everything. It's like when we ground the grain, taste it. When we, we make the word, taste it. And everybody's like, drink the word out of the, oh, yeah. it's like, no, yeah, we taste it. And even the, the process of mashing is a really essential process because mm-hmm. when you first add the water to the, to the grain, you get this wonderful mm-hmm. puff of water. And then as it converts to sugar, it, the, those, those smells all flatten out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then you've got this really syrupy liquid that you're trying to manage. And it's, it's pretty good, good tasting. So that's really how you get your flavor taste. Your, you're tasting trained was at each point of the way and like you said with the stills parsing out all those different flavors during the still why should people drink craft sure like yeah. why why should people be drinking blackfish over bacardi ooh that's a tough one cuz it's better yeah yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. bacardi's a good word bacardi's a Probably a bad choice because they started the way we did. Yeah, I mean, they're they and there's a huge industry, and our family benefited from Bacardi. Uh, we smuggled rum for them back in uh, uh, back in the days of buccaneers and stuff like that. Uh, that we were our family is that where you got well, the cannons? Our, our family is well situated on uh, both Eastport and Bimini Island down in in, in Florida. There are Gifford families that were part of the whaling industry, <laughs> and also the, the uh, <laughs> also well when you have you know when you don't catch a whale that day, it's nice to have a load of rum you can drop off. <laughs> and it's nice to do it if you're not paying you know a huge amount of taxes at that point. And so um, our family benefited from the Bacardi in their early uh, work too, mm-hmm. but. Uh, they all started that way. I mean, at some point, mm-hmm. uh, the but the distillation process, it's it's one that lends itself to industrialization. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we there's things here. Matt still wants to push button drink beer, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, but there are things that we do here that uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, no, I'll. It's not a bad thing. It's just there's some parts of our process that we would like to make a little more easy, like our, the cleanup and stuff like that. Like I'll spend a day uh, stirring grains, or 1,000 pounds of grain, 1,100 pounds of grain with yeah. the rice holes and stuff. Yeah. And it's be nice to just push a button. That industrialization 
does have uh, shortcomings, mm -hmm. and and it's like the slow food, slow distilling is the next is the next uh, thing that's gonna uh, bring value to the industry. And for like we talked about earlier, for us, we we know the return on investment of every bottle, and we because we sit down and calculate everything: the price of the of the bottle, the price of the ink. Uh, on the label, the price of the label, the price of the cork, the price of the seal, we know all those things. They're all in spreadsheets that we labor over. Uh, we know that brandy is not, uh, doesn't have as much of a return on investment as, uh, say, uh, gin, because of the steps in the process and the amount of materials you use. Um, and it would be nice to industrialize our gin and someday we might, but if we can keep the same standards and get you know much more volume, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll we'll last over time. Mm -hmm. You can look on the internet, and you can see old old labels. Oh, here you go. <laughs> this is <laughs> you'll see old labels that uh, came and went. A lot of them died during Prohibition. One of the early abstinence movements was a Gifford. Uh, so our family of contradictions too. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, what makes this gin, gin so creamy? It's just well, it's something about the sweetness of it. It's just got more body to right. it that you don't get from a lot of gins. It That's, has a sort of gravity. Yeah, I, I was just really impressed by that right away. It just kind of floats in your mouth more. So gins tend to. I don't know. I'm losing words here for it. Like texture. So you answered yeah. your own question. Yeah. This is why. Yeah. You should drink craft distilling, or it's a, a life experience. Yeah. Yeah. Take a take a bite of the vanilla bean ice cream and whiskey, right. and stand close to the mic. <laughs> you guys are the first distiller that's ever given us ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got cookies. We've got cookies. Oh, we're our but I think I think uh, I think you guys. Uh, well, that is wow. That's a good combo. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a food pairing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's See, weird. that's something that I don't, I don't have. I have the palate of a caveman, so <laughs> I'll be like, mm, yeah. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> like, not like oh, vanilla and. Yeah. You, you know, you don't have to be a shoemaker to know your shoes don't fit. Right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is that's phenomenal. Yeah. So, what was the name of that drink that we? It was liquid coma. There was the liquid coma, <laughs> which was the name for if we ever came up with an alternative that used like whipping cream or something. Oh like yeah. <laughs> but the coma was his name for that. I can I can fathom that. Man, wow! So how yeah, how'd that one come about? Just uh, <laughs> we flat out stole that from the little restaurant that's next to Woodenville Whiskey, and I'll, I'll admit that. No, okay. But a little it, tavern. Mm -hmm. and we like their stuff, mm -hmm. but. Um, we modify a little. We use a, a vanilla bean ice cream instead of a vanilla because mm -hmm. we more bean out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's it. Now you start crafting different flavors and mm -hmm. it becomes yours. But it's it's really there was no ser serendipity there. That was just well, and your rye is pretty different too. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you got kind of the 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 spice that I like out of rye, but it doesn't it's the flavor kind of a spice. Like I don't so like jalapenos, bounces, yeah. but I like. The, the flavor, flavor. <laughs> right. you know, and so that's kind of a kind of a similar experience with that. And say so like you enjoyed the ride before, but now you like it that much better. Yeah, and that's yeah. like a huge thing um, as far as marketing for a distillery. People like a product, 
but they want to know what they can possibly do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah, I started working with cocktails a couple months ago, and it's a huge turning point. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, it's really delicious, but what can I go home and make with it? Yeah. And it's not something you like, just add 7-Up or Coke to it. Yeah. You know, start playing with really good bases, and you create really wonderful cocktails, and it gets a lot more attention that way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's also something in the craft movement, to go back to the question, to just mm-hmm. like demystify that process of like tasting. Mm-hmm. Things like that, so that, like, uh, <laughs> so so they understand that it's like we're just people making this stuff. There's nothing big and industrial going on, yeah. even if we have like steampunk <laughs> machinery. But, um, yeah. So that they can experiment on their own, just like we're experimenting, mm-hmm. just as an extension of the craft stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's one thing that we're trying trying to drive people in is is don't. Like, go to the store and buy the product, but also come down to the distillery and buy the product. Mm-hmm. One, you guys make a little bit more money on it, but two, you can you can actually meet the people that are doing it. Why the name Blackfish? Oh, yeah. And does it have anything to do with Tilcom? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, our family, that's our family shield, uh, our family yeah, crest. Make it for We're old. We started out in uh, Normandy, um, when the English owned or English ruled uh, the north of France, then we, uh, our family basically moved to England, which they were given the place. It was now Buckingham Palace. The local English lords didn't like that, so they mocked up a treasonous letter, and our uh, Lord Gifford had his head chopped off. Uh, but that was later revealed as to be uh, to be a. Uh, a false accusation, but they never did get their lands back. Wow. So then they went to Scotland. Then uh, we went, uh, we were always nonconformists. We had uh, <laughs> uh, buccaneers, uh, privateers, uh, Barbary pirates in our family. Uh, also had Pur- uh, uh, Puritans, and we ended up in uh, New England. Huh. And so, there witch as well? oh yeah, we were one of, one of the oh, wow. one of the Salem witches. No, it was Mary Gifford was uh, one of the defendants in the Salem witch trial. There was the Gifford that built Goblin Castle. Yeah, and, and they, yeah. he was a wizard because he yeah. built it so fast. Uh, he built it in uh, Scotland in uh, around the 10th century, and they were sure he was a, a wizard. And he did have a big, large underground room called Goblin Hall, and that's all. Google all that stuff, and the, the, the archaeology still exists for it, but huh. um, what was the question I was answering before I started Where ranting? the name came from. Oh, where the name came from. <laughs> oh, Blackfish. So our family was then very nautical. I mean, I, when I was, I lived in Maine when I was a kid. I, my first distillation was maple syrup, oh. uh, which is 80, 80 gallons of maple, maple syrup makes, uh, I think, uh, about two gallons of 80 gallons of sap makes about two gallons of maple yeah, syrup. That's quite the distillation. Yeah, <laughs> and I did that on a wood stove in our our kitchen. Wow. So uh, <laughs> there was a lot of wood splitting, and I used to sit on a, a, a whale vertebrae when I was out splitting wood huh. and uh, making kindling in the in the, the barn in our house that our family bought in 1799. Wow. So a very nautical family, uh, and so my wife and I spent a lot of time in our boats. And we've had a lot of experiences in the Puget Sound area with orcas. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty cool adventures, like looking under your armpit at a whale eye looking back at you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with your kayak paddles up like this and sweating from profusely. Yeah. And so we were looking for a synonym for, for um, 
orcas and blackfish came out. Mm. And uh, so I said, yeah, let's do it. And we, we cool. checked around. So it's, a, it's our family is all, all in uh, boats and nautical mm. and, and uh, stuff like that. And it was just a, a good representation of an adventure. It meant adventure to us. In the purest and mystical portion of adventure, where you're being visited by, you know, or Orca is Latin for, everybody thinks it's an Indian name, it's actually a Latin name, Orca Arcanus, that it means uh, it's like dark spirit of the sea or something oh, like that. Oh. So, uh, it's a very, for us, it, it represented the adventure that we're heading out on. You know the surest way to uh, do a podcast with us? Invite us. We've never turned down an invite. 